Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Who Knew in the Moment, the podcast. Today, you are going to hear an amazing story from Joseph Andrula, the founder of CKO Kickboxing. He has the story of if you only had $900 left and you were trying to start a business, would you hold on to it for yourself and what you needed it for? Or would you be willing to give it away and hope things would take care of themselves? Listen up to Joseph's story. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Who Knew in the Moment, the podcast. Uh, today, I'm excited to have Joseph Andrula with us, the owner and CEO and founder of CKO Kickboxing. Uh, so Joseph has a fascinating story from high school dropout to CEO. And the one thing that I've found just as I've uh, you know researched and gotten to know Joseph is that it isn't always about how much you know about something, but how much you believe in what it is that you know about. And so as you uh, learn his story, you're going to find that out today. So Joseph, thanks so much for being on. No, thank you, Phil. Appreciate you reaching out. Absolutely. So just a reminder, who knew in the moment, the podcast, uh, the whole idea behind it is who knew in these small moments in life that they'd end up being as pivotal as they are. And only in hindsight, can we really look back and see how big of a catalyst they were to our next endeavor and to where we've gotten today. So Joseph, just getting started with it. Um, where did your enjoyment for kickboxing and working out come from? Right. It's a good question. It started when I was nine. I went to my first karate class in the city that I'm in Hoboken. They were doing a dare program to keep kids off drugs and off the streets. And we started with, uh, with karate. And the first class I went to, the class were two and a half hours. It was done by the, the police department, Hoboken PAL. And the first hour of the class, I thought was great. Uh, we put on like dance music or Spanish music. We we just did calisthenics, shadow kickboxing, boxing, and uh, just felt, you know, doing a horse dance, feeling my legs burning and my <laughs> muscles and, and all the endorphins. And we they even gave us like a 30 seconds, each of us, because there's so many kids, to hit the heavy bag, the real heavy bag. Oh, yeah. Um, but then it's, the shift turned when they started to really uh, talk about fighting, like, not that it was a shift, but they talked about fighting and um, the street applications, the real fight applications, you know, yeah. that's what they started, went from feeling really good about this to all of a sudden, uh, you know, feeling in my stomach, like, I don't want to ever get into a street fight. I don't want to have to do any of this stuff they're saying. I don't want to fight six on one. I don't want <laughs> to, you know, the first thing, you know, in my, my sense, it was a cop. So he was always... He saw what was really happening in the streets and he was telling us right from the class one when I'm nine, if you get stabbed, if you think you're going to die, grab onto them and bite off a piece of their ear so they know that they're looking for somebody with a missing ear so they can oh. find them. And he was dead serious and it was like, stay alert, stay alive, don't get into a fight. You don't want, we don't want to train you against a fight. You see trouble down the block, run the other way. We don't, and so it was really serious, but yeah, I had the, the conditioning that I really loved and the endorphins and how good it felt, especially if I, as I grew up, if I felt any depression or like, you know, not knowing what to do with my emotions, it was so good. But then that the fighting aspect, the full contact fighting and um, imagining all these situations to, to fight in was really negative. And just the mindset was really, I found it uh, not productive for my mindset, made me more depressed, more anxious. 
to, to think about all that fighting or think about hurting somebody to hit yeah. the bag really feel good and relieve stress was great but to think about i gotta hit the bag because i need to really hurt somebody i'm gonna hurt them and it was really so there's two things going on two energies i noticed them early on for my first class when i was nine there's two different energies here yeah the productive side and the side that's not productive you know that's a counterproductive or destructive especially to somebody who might not be as uh, strong mentally. Absolutely. Wow. That's fascinating. That's great that you picked up on that early on. So as you get older, you continue, you know, growing and getting better in the kickboxing karate realm. And as you're in high school, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, the high school experience and what ended up transpiring there for you. Yeah. So in high school, I mean, I, all I talked about it, I wanted to open this kickboxing gym. Yeah. Originally it was karate in the eighties from 84 when I was nine to 89. Yeah, uh, I talked about karate, but I shifted it in high school when I saw uh, step aerobics class and I saw they all had steps in their step aerobics class. Okay. I thought I could hang bags instead of everybody having steps. I could yeah. hang bags and we could work out. And it's the same kind. Of, it's a class. Take away the aerobics, eight count and all that. And I thought I was really onto something. And the other thing is, you know, most of my friends are in the martial arts. I had become a wrestler and a boxer. Mm. in a, a pretty bad area in a, my, the boxing gym that I was in. And they, all they could think about was fighting and, uh, you know, wrestling, competing, taking somebody else down, hurting them. So in high school, I was getting clear and clear, but I didn't have anybody to really tell that this gym can work, even though I didn't know any around. I'm like, we just hang heavy bags, put on music the way I did in karate class, good music, dance music, and, and use it for the productive part of making people feel good about themselves. Right. And about... Uh, six weeks before high school graduation, I had a 3.6 GPA and I started cutting classes to go to the gym to train. I was going to my local uh, weight gym and uh, martial arts school just to train. I thought it was more important for me at that point to cut classes because I didn't want to go to college. I didn't want to get a uh, job in New York and sit in a suit, uh, right. do any stuff. Right. That was the same as fighting. Uh, it's count. It was, for me, it was going to be counterproductive and destructive. I, I want to be. I wanted to open a gym, but I didn't have any money. Yeah. But it, the dean of students said one day, um, he, we, when he noticed I was cutting, he told me not to cut anymore, and if I cut again, that I'd be thrown out. So I said, okay, I understood. And the next or well, later that day, I was talking to a trainer at the gym who I thought was the best trainer, and he said, I'm going to. I'm moving to Florida tomorrow, and uh, just come in. I'm going to be training my clients, pick up as much as you can pick up because I'm not going to, you know, I'm out of here. I'm not going to yeah. be. So I said, let me go tell the Dean of students. I just got to cut one more day. So I thought the right thing to do is to show up at school the next day and go to the Dean of students office and tell them, I know we said, we're not, I'm not going to cut any more classes, but I got to cut school today because a trainer at the gym is leaving Florida. He's the best trainer. He gets the best results. And I need to write down as much as he's doing with his clients so I can learn this last day as much as I can. I'll yeah. And he said, you cut class one more time, you're out of here. You know, and then I just got in my car and I left and went to the gym. And uh, I don't know, it, technically later on, I didn't go to school for the last six weeks. I didn't take final exams, but I did uh, speak to the guidance counselor, reached out to me and, and spoke to me about what was going on. And I told him what I did. He thought it was actually a good idea. It wasn't like I was going out to, to take drugs or do something. Right. He thought. And he had me show up graduation night. So at least I still got a, a certificate, but I didn't want to go to college or anything like that. But I mean, it was good for my mother to see. <laughs> Absolutely. 
So as, as you're fish up high school, then you've got this dream of opening a gym, um, to your point, there can be some problems, uh, being, uh, you know, recent high school graduate. And that is oftentimes you don't have a lot of money and people that probably do have the money would like to see some experience. So talk a little bit about how the forming of the business and getting it actually started happened. Right. So I had no money after high school and no, no money. That meant nothing. Yeah. So I just thought of the idea of I work as many hours as I possibly can. There's nothing wrong with me. I'll do whatever. So I got a job. I was already cleaning the bar. So I took up more hours cleaning the bar. I started delivering pizza and I started working manual labor in a factory. Wow. And um, I was just working five, 15 hour, five an hour, worked in the purchasing department for four, 16 hour, whatever it was, I could work unlimited hours. The thing I valued most was the pizzeria because I can eat there and not have to spend money on food. So yeah. I did the double bonus to get tips and to get, and I put as much as I possibly could away. I didn't spend money on food or, because I had the pizzeria and uh, I put as much as I possibly could away. Uh, and then I would try to tell anybody who came into the pizzeria or into the, to the factory, my store that knew about business. Yeah. I tried to tell them my business idea to see if they saw any holes in it or anything. And they didn't, they didn't just didn't think of it. They're like people that want that have money that would spend it. Don't want to hurt their knuckles. Mm -hmm. They don't want to, um, they don't want to do, do this type of a class. They want to. And, and at the time I was, I became a personal trainer also in a local okay. health club and the health clubs were going in the opposite direction. They were trying to get it more and more uh, comfortable for the people. We have recumbent right. bikes rather than upright bikes. we got to make them more relaxed. Like they're sitting on the couch. So to put TVs around, let's make them more relaxed. I'm saying we got to get up and like hit the bags and get, <laughs> and forget it. Just, you know, if you rip up, you know, if you bruise your knuckles, you bruise your knuckles. So, right. you know, better you feel better better about yourself than you know you're not getting shaped the way people are eating and getting sitting on a recumbent bike i didn't think yeah um so i just thought of saving as much money as i possibly could uh i saved until uh late 96 i had saved twenty two thousand nine hundred dollars i was 21 that's amazing. that's when it started to go downhill um i started arguing with uh, some people that are really into business. And, and I was at that point, I really wanted to open and my, my girlfriend left me at the end of 96. We had lived together for two years and two months and she didn't think this was going anywhere. And I, all I do is go around and fight with people and people that knew a lot about business. They worked in New York and, and I just told them they were wrong. And they told me that you have to have capital. You have to have a business plan. I didn't have a business plan. I said, I'm going to make people feel good the way I do in yeah. the gym. When I work out with my bag in my basement, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. That's my business plan. I'm going to change people's lives and make people feel good about themselves instead of doing like in the health clubs. I sort of like, how can we increase the sales? They didn't even know the people's names. I mean, I was a personal trainer. There. I, I cared about them losing their body fat, feeling better about themselves. But the owner was like, you know, I, I, as long as we hit our numbers, I don't care if they drop dead tomorrow, as long as their credit cards get banked out. And I was like, we got to get. And I'm like, what do you, I thought they were in the business, you know, to help these people. Right. I, and and the, the karate school, they were going more and the other karate schools, jujitsu had become very big because mm -hmm. of ultimate fighting and hoist Gracie showed jujitsu. Right. They were really going towards the fighting aspect. So the, I felt the gyms were going, the health clubs were going more towards the sales and the, 
you know, making people, let's let, add another amenity, another towel service, we'll give you another amenity, get them to join. They didn't really care if the person felt better about themselves or put in the effort. Maybe they did care, but they didn't want to put in the effort right. to really make people feel better, better about themselves. It wasn't getting them in shape was just uh, a byproduct of getting them to feel better about themselves and eat right. And I gave out nutrition programs left and right. I did a nutrition analysis in the health clubs and it, they didn't follow it because they didn't feel better, better about themselves. Initially they were right. following, they go food shopping and they would fall off. They didn't feel better about them. You need to make the people feel better about themselves. Give them a vision just the way that trainer did. One reason I cut it and left school and cut out because he was always creating the vision in his clients. I didn't see any other trainers doing it. We got to create the vision in them and then go and give them the plan. You know, yeah. you got to make them believe in themselves, bring them up a notch. You can't just, you just see what happens uh, right. or, you know, just because you want to make a lot of money, just we got to make a lot of money and just get mad about it. It's not and try to force the sales in or try to keep them in a sales office, you know, as long as you can until they sign up. Mm -hmm. Initially, from day one to this day, I've never had a soundproof set. I've never had a sales office. We do it at the desk. I'm not sitting down in the office and trying to do all these techniques to get their credit right. card, you know, and not, I don't want to guilt them into and make them feel like that. It's like, so the opening, you know, I, I thought if that's where you're going with it, it's yeah. the, the opening I thought of is the, the schools, the boxing gyms, especially we're going towards the fighting aspects, mm -hmm. karate schools. Anyway, you saw bags though, we're in the boxing gyms. No, yeah. really the only way, reason you go to a boxing gym is to become a boxer. And you really gotta, you gotta really wanna hurt somebody to be a boxer. Right. Hurt them. And while they hurt, you have to hurt them more. That's the hardest part. People think it's hurting, they don't wanna do. It's when you actually hurt somebody, you gotta, hurt them more when you see them dazed you got to hurt them more it brings you out of you the days that you're training and stuff to think about it it can make you sick to your stomach if you right. really think about it i said i need to do something productive so i saw them going that direction the health clubs were going in in um that in the other direction i started though to get really mad at myself in the beginning of 97 i spent twenty two thousand dollars over a few weeks few days i don't even know i spent it uh, the money I'd saved from 94, from January 94 to nine, uh, early in 97. I don't even remember what point. I just remember waking up my car underneath the viaduct and realizing going under my seat where I kept the money and realized I only had $900 left. I'm like, I, I thought I had 22900 I took the last 900 I said, before, I, I don't even know what I'm doing with it. I don't know the money. I, it's, I'm not going to open the gym. You need too much money. I want to just give up the dream so I can stop torturing myself with it, you know, because that's what. So I took the last 900, I went to St. Lawrence Church, which was right there, and I put it in the poor box because I knew that that church gives it to the poor people. They don't just, you know, keep it or anything. So give it to people who need it. I'd rather they need it. And, and I felt great that I did it initially. I, I felt great. I'm like, I gave $900 to people that need it. Yeah. And I don't worry about opening the gym anymore. About a half hour later, I just switched gears and said, I want to open a gym worse than anything. Now I got no money. And I just went through a full sprint. Yeah. Uh, and and I ended up back at the the factory where I did the manual labor. Okay. And I went straight to the landlord's office. It was five stories. There's all these studios, writers, and people lived in their studios, people that wanted to be in Broadway or actors, and people that didn't give up on a dream, but they were dead broke. Yep. But they were all these studios. And I went straight to the landlord's office and said, Do you know the storage room that we've been clearing out? I said, uh, I mean, that, that we've been stockpiling junk in. 
C107. The people break windows on it. So it's a, it, I didn't ask for like the suite or anything. I said, give me the one in the corner. Kids are all breaking windows. And it's, uh, it, it's, we've filled it with so much junk over the years. Said, let me, me and my brothers, my brothers were in high school, they were younger than me. So let me just clear it out and give me, I, I think I might have said six months, I don't remember, free rent. He okay. gave me two and a half months. Okay. He gave me two and a half. I said, and then he asked me about a security deposit. I said, I told you I have no money. I, I really have no money. So give me right. two and a half months. You'll get the, I'll put all that junk right back in there if you want it. If in two and a half months. And I went home. As soon as he said yes, he's like, you know, I, because at first he was like, I don't know. He said, look, I'm a, I'm a martial artist. You got all these artists in the building and you say it's an arts building. I'm a martial artist and just give me the chance to do it. For some reason, I had talked to him about it working there over the few years, but here and there, never this much conviction. Yeah. I, he said, for some reason, I'll give you a shot, two and a half months. And that's all I needed was those two and a half months. I went home. I got the radio out of my basement. I got any bags, karate gear I had out of the basement. And I started getting bags unfilled, filling them with my clothes and set up the room as much as I could. And with my brothers, my friends, we just got pizza and got them all in there and we just cleared it out. And that's how we opened. That's amazing. So just kind of, you know, reminiscing and thinking back to that, you know, what do you think it is about you, Joseph, after hearing all the no's that made you just continue to want to pursue this business opportunity? It was, I needed to connect to the energy. I felt like in 94, when I first said it, when I dropped out of high school, 93, I said, I was doing it more for the people. I'm like, I got to open this gym for the people. By 97, I had to open that gym for me. Yeah. I needed to do something productive for myself, period. I don't care. I, uh, you could, people do a lot of things. I need to open a, this gym for me and I'll help all the people because it, it makes me feel better that come in. I and, love it. But at that point, it was different from 93. And by 97, I was desperate. I was like, I'm tired of arguing people. I'm just, I know I'm right. There's something inside of me. I just know I'm right. I know there's no examples. I know some of the people knew stuff about business would tell me, well, if this is such a good idea, how come any other gyms haven't done it? And if it is such a good idea, What's going to stop the other big gyms with all this money from putting in bags and, and just copying the idea. And uh, that I'm like, they don't have, they won't have me. They won't have somebody who cares about yes. anybody can pick up football, but you can't, you know, you can't be like a, a Super Bowl quarterback. That doesn't mean you could throw like a quarterback in the NFL. Yep. It, they won't have me. They won't have somebody who cares about them. You can still keep the salespeople that just want to get them into their membership I want to get in there so bad day in and day out and help these people make do what the heavy bag did for me in my basement, putting on the when I didn't feel good about myself to put on music where I felt like I didn't have any friends, anybody to talk to. I did, I mean, I did have friends, but I didn't feel like I, I was very introverted. I didn't want to talk to people about anything that bothered me. It showed in karate, it felt like that shows weakness. If you say, right. Hey, I'm depressed, I feel anxious, I can't sleep because I'm nervous. That's weakness in karate. You know, that you don't say that, just keep it inside. So yep. the thing I had my bag and the radio and I said, and somebody I knew was going for psychology, like psychological help for $75 an hour. And I'm like, I, I could feel $75 a month or less than that. I'll get you take these classes. I'll make you feel better. You know, yep. not that there's anything wrong with that industry. I'm just saying right. I could do the same thing to I'm, I want to make you feel people feel better. Yeah. But that was the pivotal thing in 97. It's like when I put those $900 in a poor box, uh, I'm like, I need to do something. It was like, it was just, it made me feel good to even give the nine. I don't even know who went to 
you know, and, but I knew what they gave four people. It made me feel good just to give that $900, the last 900 and, and then to simultaneously say, now I have no more money to even talk about this dream anymore. Let me just give it up. Wow. You know? I love that. I love that. Sometimes you, yeah, you have to hit that spot before you can really go up. So you now have the first, uh, the warehouse, you know, building that's going to turn into our gym and looking at that, how did you start driving traffic into the gym then? <laughs> okay. So I made a, we had graphic designers in the, in the uh, building yeah, so, right. which from working there. So I had to make me up a flyer, somebody I knew you know, in there. Yep. And I went to all of my friends who had parents that had jobs with in offices. I asked them to make as many copies as they possibly could. We put them all around town. Uh, I took window shades, you know, like those silver window shades to block out the sun. And we put like the uh, flyers on them. And I would ask people put them up in their car. So as they're walking down the street, they could see them. Yeah. Those were two big things other than asking people to tell, uh, tell people as much as they could. That's you know, great. Didn't have any money to do it, but those, I knew the window shades would make them. Uh, that was initially in yeah. '97, but the window shades started to get results because people would look at it, even though it was just a flyer on them that I had. They would look at them because it was in the middle of winter when I opened November. Why do they have these shades blocking out the sun? And and then soon after that, I got a blazer, an '84 blazer, Chevy blazer from a junkyard, and, and I wrapped it with my advertising and parked it right in front of the Pat train. I love it. So it didn't even run that good. It was more for <laughs> just advertising. Yeah, just to have it. That's great. So as you're starting to build the following and people are coming, you know, at what point in that studio did you start feeling like, all right, the traction in the the feeling I felt about the gym and how it could be successful started gaining traction with the public? I started six weeks, no, a month later. I opened November 15th, 1997 yeah. with no money. A month later, or five weeks later, I had a Christmas party and that I catered uh, with money that was coming in from memberships. Yeah. So it was like within five weeks. Two weeks later, the biggest gym in town would go and put in their aerobics rooms, heavy bags, brand new heavy bags, right? And try to go toe to toe, plus say that they have all these other services things like that. So it lasted only about two weeks before all of a sudden I felt vulnerable yeah. They're in a lot of the location. Now they got kickboxing, but I just had to keep reminding myself. I know I worked in the gym industry. I was a trainer. I care about these people. They don't, they hire instructors to work for uh, whatever a dollar amount for that hour. Every time I go out there to teach a class, I'm looking to change people's lives period. Wow. And I, it's just way more to me. And I know that they, you know, I'm doing it for a different reason. So they're not going to be able, they might temporarily get some buzz, but they're not going to be able to sustain it. Yeah. Uh, two and a half weeks, two and a half months later, that gym closed for good. They went out of business. Wow. So at what point then, um, how far into it did you open gym number two? Okay. Uh, in 2004, this gets into a whole different story. Yeah. Um, I only had one gym, but my lease was ending. And it was a wood building that I was in and the landlord wouldn't renew my lease uh, because when we hit the bags, it shook the whole building. So some of the tenants above didn't want to pay rent during, cause they couldn't use it during the hours I had classes. They couldn't use their studio or just shake the building. Got it. So um, I got like, I didn't know what to do. I'd been on a today show as an entrepreneur started with no money. I did not see this coming. Now my lease is ending. Uh, and, and I don't have 
any, uh, I didn't have a space to go to. I mean, I was making some money, but I wasn't, it wasn't like I could go in, in town and go to like the premier spaces across town that were top dollar. I was right. still back factory. Um, and I was like thinking about it. I'm like, what can I do? And I'm like, whenever I feel really down, I go on the offense. Um, mm -hmm. so I set a goal to open nine gyms in 90 days. Uh, and that was, it got me out of feeling, it sounds crazy, but I'll tell you how I did it. Yeah. I, if, if it got me out of that feeling, that desperation that I'm going to close because I don't have a lease, I'm going to open nine gyms in 90 days and have 10 gyms on the website. I even then got the website clubkogyms.com and put 10 locations, put one location with nine coming soon on it. Uh, and then what I would end up, yeah, what I would end up doing is I, uh, well, I don't have to go into the whole story now, but I did open nine in the 90 days and I got a 50,000, a single 50,000 credit line to do it. Wow. So I had to get creative on everything. Could yeah. tell you a little, uh, you know, off of the, who knew in the moment. Yeah. That was more like 97 and before the franchise, before everything else started with boxing and kickboxing. No, that's amazing. So just thinking about, you know, that, that time frame. So first gym opened up on two months of free, two and a half months of free rent to, to say, Hey, I'm going to open nine. Uh, you know, what did that look like for you in the business development side of it? You know, uh, hiring people, were, were you doing all the trainings? How did that all kind of transpire within hiring people and uh, really growing the business? Okay, so if you, if you really want to hear that part of the story, it's going to be different from any business plan. Yeah. Um, so I set the goal nine gyms in 90 days. Uh, and then I was going around trying to get loans to open these gyms. And I wasn't getting anywhere. I only got a 50,000 credit line, like right. I said, from one bank, not for all nine, for just one. They said, just do one, get that one going. I said, I don't even know if 50,000 is enough for one. I'm not even sure what the rates are. I should have been more concerned with my one location in that following. I'm looking to open nine in other areas. Because of my, I was still on the mindset of expanding. Uh, and I went, I was in the, uh, one of the banks and I was talking to somebody and he was, the advisor was telling me to just focus on doing one gym in the next year. Do want you to do nine over nine years, one a year. That's a good growth program. And I said, I got a goal to do nine in 90 days. And as he was talking, I just started looking out the window and I noticed Dunkin' Donuts and Baskin Robbins, that Baskin Robbins had went into these Dunkin' Donuts. And I was thinking about the security deposits, first month's rent. I said, I'm going to run out of money with this 50,000 credit line quick. Yeah. Well, I went to gyms that had uh, stopped using their aerobics rooms. This is 2004. Aerobics was dying out. So they were using their aerobics rooms, a lot of them as storage. So I made a deal with a chain of gyms that had nine of them in this area and to put, convert their aerobics rooms to back then we called the club KO before we shortened it to CKO yeah. and, and to hang the bags and to do it all. Um, so he gave me that deal. I still had a 50,000 credit line and I had the 50,000 credit line to spend on just advertising because I knew I'd have to advertise the area. So I got uh, managers in each of them to work on 50-50 deals okay. on the profits. And then I uh, hired all the instructors telling them, I, well, I can't pay you until the end of the month. You know, you got to work. We do it monthly as independent contractors. So I yeah. could me another month. And then I got all the equipment from the uh, martial arts supply place that I had built credit with in the last seven years, always paid it back. They gave me 60 days terms. So I got all the equipment on 60 days terms uh, and I got the, the head trainer on a 50-50 deal, not just a tomato can head trainer, but real positive driving forces that yeah. I got, uh, that I found. And 
that's how I did the, the, the instructors. I just told them, you know, we got to wait a month and you get paid at the end of the month. And to get, and then I took the whole 50,000. I spent it on billboards in between all the gyms and direct and like Val packs and Clipper magazine, direct mailings. I love how passionate you are about this. You can just tell that the impact that your experience had, I mean, just continues to drive you and you know, just the, the risk there, right, is, hey, I, if this doesn't work out in 30 or 60 days, I'm going to be in a really tough spot. But your belief that this can work, people are going to buy into this, is so powerful. Right. And that's what I think people are designed for, to get up, find yeah. something you're passionate about. And then you got to go and challenge yourself in that passion. You know, I just happen to have leases that were ending or circumstances that forced me to. But that's what we're designed to do. It's not to just repeat the same stuff day in and day out and why you can't make progress. It's like your back's against the wall, go on the offense. That's what you got to do. It doesn't sound right. It sounds like you should hold on and be safe, but go on the offense, especially if you're in what you're passionate about. Because yeah. only the more you do it, the better you feel. If the more you do it, the worse you feel, that means it's not your passion. You're in the wrong thing. Yep. You know, some people, it's not for them. You know, it's, you know, they're not into, they, they're not into that. They might get a better, be better in a different industry. So it's got to be the right industry. Now, what about it? What about Joseph? Do you think is a reason that, Hey, when my back's against the wall, I, I rise to the occasion, right? Cause there's a lot of people, whether it's athletics, business life, when their backs against the wall, they crumble and they're just not, you know, designed to handle the pressure. What do you think it is about you that that's almost like the moment in time where you're like, all right, now it's go time for me. Right. Early on. I, I mean, like a lot of people, like you can envy professional ball players, yeah. people that are at a professional level, and that they have a different work ethic than the average person. So all along, I told myself, I'm doing this business at the professional level. So any setback, I just looked at it as the reason that it's 90% of businesses go out in the first years, they, they don't realize that's a professional level or 90% in five years. They just think, well, I got a loan, I rented a space, here I am, and they got to wait like they're waiting on a stock. You know, it should, right. uh, an ETF, it should go up after a certain amount of time. Yeah. They don't realize. So if they get, you know, beat up a little bit in there or, you know, things don't work out, you're dealing with uh, people and, you know, humanity and thing, all different things can happen and personalities. But I just kept reminding myself, I'm designed to do this at the professional level. That's just the way an NFL player gets hurt and they, they'll keep practicing, they'll keep showing up at the weight room. They had a bad game Sunday. They still show up on Monday to watch the film. I'm like, I'm at the professional level. I re re kept telling myself that over the years. I'm doing this at the professional level. That's why I'm not at 90% that fail in the first five years in business. They're not at the professional level. They just yep. got a loan and some, some may have some bad luck. Don't want right. to put that down. But I just kept reminding myself, no matter any bad thing, especially now what happened. This is at the professional level. I'm at the professional level. I'm going to keep going forward. That's okay. it. Look, you got to look for opportunity. When you're at the professional level, you look for opportunity. Yep. Oh, no matter how bad things are, we got shut down. Couldn't make money for six months in this past year. And just what opportunity is there? I mean, it could get plenty of reasons to get mad, plenty of reasons, but you have to keep looking for the opportunity. Keep focusing on being determined and that this is the professional level for me. This is yeah. what I do at the professional level. If, if you if you go to a professional athlete and just follow them around for a week, you're going to see that it's much different, their work ethics, than the average person that you know that might like that sport. Yes, I love that's that. And yeah, yes, I love that. I think that's so true. And, you know, to your point of, you know, 
most small businesses fail within the five years. I think a lot of people, the mindset is, um, you know, I hope this works or we'll, we'll see how it works out. And it's like, no, you need to be bought in saying, Hey, I'm, I'm going to make this work. Right. I might have to get creative, right. I might have to do things out of the box. I might have to say, this is unlike any other business plan that's ever been developed before, but I'm going to figure out a way to do it. Right. So just uh, once again, I could spend hours talking about your story, but for sake of time, um, I know you've got things to get going on. But so today uh, you've developed a franchise model and how many uh, different franchise locations do you have now? Uh, this is about 80 to 90. 80 uh, to we 90. were close to 100, but you know, we lost some with, with the shutdowns and we're looking for locations to reopen. Yep. So it might be closer to 80 now. Yeah. Uh, but we haven't, we, we've gotten all like people that are driving forces, positive driving forces to run these locations. We, I haven't, we haven't told anyone, hey, this is just a, you follow the business plan and you're all set. Yep. There's, there's so much emotion in this and so much that you have to have the drive in this type of business to work with people day in and day out and improve them and, you know, and just deal with them yeah. know, the best you can. Well, I, I think something that was interesting, you had uh, received an Entrepreneur of the Year Award, and I, I read just your acceptance quote, and you know it was pretty cool, and it says a lot about you and your passion for what you're doing, where you said, hey, it's an honor for me, but it's more for the CKO family. You know, it's, uh, it's everyone that's bought into this as their way of working out. It's a buy-in from the people that are running these gyms and making them work and making the people that attend them feel like a valued part of something, not just to your point, a person that's paying a membership and happens to show up. Right. Then those, the people that join, especially people get franchises. I remember the first four people that were in the class in 1997. I was so grateful that they would show up from my class as opposed to a million dollar health club down the street, you know, that I, I was just so grateful that they would even try it yep. for these people. And it never let up next year, it'll be 25 years and just never let up. I'm still grateful for the, the people that join the instructors that apply that want to be to work here. And I'm just so grateful for it. I don't take any of it granted for granted that I could end up being a statistic. If somebody just opened a business and failed that these people kept believing um, in it, in it. And, and I was able to help them and, and that whatever, whoever's on my side or like, you know, higher power, it's on my side. It's, uh, I'm just so grateful that uh, I was able to do this. Absolutely. Well, Joseph, I appreciate your time today and hearing your story. I mean, yeah, over the course of the last 24 years, I mean, what a wild ride uh, from, you know, getting that first uh, gym in a warehouse to, uh, you know, 80 to 90 different locations a day that are very pristine locations. So thanks again so much for being on. Thanks a lot, Phil. I appreciate it. Thank you. I absolutely love Joseph's story. From high school dropout to business owner to having over 50 franchises across the United States, he was not going to be stopped. He was resilient and knew what he wanted and he was passionate about what he wanted to accomplish. Thanks so much for tuning in to Joseph's story. Find the nearest CKO facility near you. I know there's one in my, uh, my current town of Omaha, Nebraska. Gonna have to go check it out. Thanks so much. And I hope you guys have a great day.